0: Meet all your health goals from the comfort of your home. Get free same-day local delivery or fast free delivery nationwide with code WONDERY today at squeezed.com.
1: My brokenheartedness doesn't hold me. The despair doesn't hold me. The sorrow doesn't hold me. I, with the support of joy, gratitude, kindness, compassion, love, I hold the broken
0: Welcome to the Be Here Now guest podcast. This series features a collection of teachings and conversations centered around mindfulness, spiritual growth, and living a life in balance. Each week, our diverse network of guest teachers and hosts offer up wisdom and practices from a different spiritual path and perspective. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit beherenownetwork.com slash
1: donate. There's been this really strong sense of gratitude that's arisen for me um, this year. And that gratitude is really coming out of um, really appreciating being in this time right now and, and having something that I think is really important and beneficial to offer folks right now. Um, I'm not saying that I'm always right, that is, I'm always great <laughs> with this, but I'm saying that like, I've spent a lot of years trying to figure out um, how to reduce violence and harm for myself. And I am, I think, in this place where I'm able to communicate and to transmit something, a little something, of what I've been able to do um, for myself. Um, You know, the practice of dharma has given me and gifted me this incredible capacity to be and this world of suffering and with, and this experience that has held so much suffering and to give all of this, a lot of space and a lot of care, um, and a lot of love. And that's, um, on one hand for me, sometimes I feel like that's a miracle, you know, but then on the other hand, um, I also have to admit that this has been an incredible amount of work, an incredible amount of effort being put into sitting and watching my mind over and over and over again, Um, showing up with uh, open-heartedness, with a tenderness, um, and showing up with this level of surrender This deep practice of surrender to to my lineage, to my teachers, and not just to these people, but to their example of liberation that they've offered me, you know, and the ways in which initially I didn't believe and what they were trying to offer. But as I practiced deeper in the path, I began to realize that they had indeed done something that I needed to learn how to do because... I am so intensely dedicated to liberation, right? and that intense dedication really began with social liberation. Really, growing up um, and and being so um, held, intended to, and inspired um, by um, the tradition of of black liberation. Work, you know, and I grew up in Georgia. Uh, and I grew up in North Georgia on Cherokee and um, Creek land, and um, and growing up being kind of like seeped in the history of of liberation struggle in the South, you know, and that's one of the most incredible things for me about growing up in the South. We can say all kinds of things about the South, you know, but what I can say from my experience of being a Southerner is that I I grew up in a culture of people, both indigenous and black people who did the work, who struggled and did what they could to be well and whatever they were able to do and to accomplish they passed from generation to generation and so forth and so on and even though the struggle was hard and even though there was a lot you know a lot of harm and violence we survived you know we were resilient and i hold that deep in my heart this this capacity to to struggle and to continue to be loyal and devoted to the experience of liberation and freedom, to make it this ideal that we intentionally pass from from generation to generation, right? To, you know, there are many things that are passing from generation to generation, like transhistorical trauma, is something that passes from generation to generation. But what also passed from generation to generation was the dream of freedom and liberation, right? Held within this deep commitment to a resiliency that we don't give up, you know, that we don't give up. And that was my first dharma, you know, that was my primary dharma, Is the work of resiliency, freedom, liberation. Um, and so I've been, I've been concerned with that and I've made the work of liberation my goal first, of course, in activism and organizing um, and service. And later as I met the Dharma, I met this profound path that helped me to dream and to work towards the kind of liberation that I never thought was even possible you know because when i was growing up you know our liberation was about dying and going to heaven but when i met the dharma the dharma told me no i can actually be free right now in this body in this mind that freedom wasn't just for white people freedom just wasn't for you know for straight folks you know or for rich folks you know freedom was for me if i indeed chose to work if I chose to do something. And for me, you know, sitting around reading, you know, and complaining, you know, and being super intellectual about liberation wasn't the work, (laughs) you know, even though that can be quite enjoyable. And I've done a lot of that, you know, but the the real work, is having literally the audacity to turn my attention back into my own experience and to begin this, (laughs) what seems initially like impossible work of loving myself. No. So I, um, you know, so we've been doing meta practice or loving kindness practice and, you know, I, I, started with that early in my practice. You know, when I came into Dharma, I was about, well, I was in my, I was about 23 when I like first, you know, came into Dharma. I didn't take it seriously until maybe 24 later, you know, as I was turning 24. So around my 23rd year and then within that year, moving into my 24th year, um, really beginning to take Dharma seriously. Um, and it wasn't Dharma, really, it was just really meditation that I was really into. I was like, Buddhism stuff, you know, that's not really for me. It's interesting, you know, but this meditation thing, really, uh, I found really quite challenging, you know, but eventually I really began to understand the power of a basic meditation practice, right? And so I really started coming um, in, into that practice Um, And, of course, you know, mindfulness was one of the first practices that I learned, but also loving kindness, you know, that I initially um, learned from reading um, Sharon Salzberg's book, you know, um, which is called Loving Kindness. Um, And, you know, it was loving kindness wasn't hard for me. I thought that I already loved myself, so I didn't really find that there was a point in doing the practice, you know? I would sit and do the phrases. and I was like, oh, this is easy. <laughs> you know, I was like, check. I win. Next, what's next, you know? Um, I eventually started studying and practicing benefactor practice with my early teacher. And, and um, you know, so benefactor practice is how we imagine just receiving love and compassion. From a benefactor that we imagine, right? And my early teacher and first teacher in that was Lama John McCransky um, years ago. And, and then yeah, I started practicing his method. And I was like, yeah, yeah, this is easy. <laughs> you know, we call it wet and dry meta. So dry meta is saying the phrases and wet meta is benefactor practice, you know. so I was like, both of these I got. I got this um so this kind of introduction to dharma was really going well i was really getting into meditation the meta practices were really great and i was just loving stuff right you know and then i decided to train in tibetan buddhism and part of my training meant going off into doing three years of a silent you know small group retreat you know so imagine spending uh, over three years with really four people that you really wouldn't choose to spend time with normally in life. You wouldn't choose to meet up for coffee with them, let alone to live in a retreat house for three years. <laughs> but there you go. Um, and in that, in that experience, you know, we um in Tibetan Buddhism, you know, there are, um, specific practices that we use to really cultivate the energy of love. And I've tried to translate this um, and have a little bit, you know, for our meta Practice, Living Kindness Practice, um, a couple of days ago. But as I was really engaging in this really, like, you know, Tibetan Buddhist style, um, heavily ritual, chanting, visualization, um, again, I was like, oh, this is no problem, <laughs> You know, I've conquered all these other love practices. I will do this too, you know, but I hit a fundamental wall and in a retreat like that, when you're constantly pulling back the layers and getting deeper and deeper into these really subtle experiences of who you are, where you have these experiences where you just, you know, You know, you see and experience parts of yourself that you had no idea was possible. You know, you get to this core um, of certain experiences. And the core that I got to was coming face to face with this, what I call this kind of void within me, this deep void, this darkness, you know. And then when I touched into it energetically, I was like, oh, you know, so this is the great test, You know, and so, of course, habitually, I thought my practice was to fill it up. You know, just you have a whole, whole, you fill it up. You know, just let's just throw all this good energy of loving kindness and love and compassion and kindness. Let's just let's just fill it up. It's like you're filling up a bathtub, you know. So I did that and kept doing it over and over again for days and weeks and nothing changed it was like the void was like swallowing it, you know, and saying, okay, thank you, next. (laughs) So I just kind of sat there in my practice going, okay, like, what do I do with this? You know? And then at some point it dawned on me that maybe my practice wasn't to fill it up. Maybe my practice was actually to love even that void, that darkness, and then loving it, allowing it to be in my experience instead of trying to get rid of it. And that fundamentally transformed my relationship to this, this group of practices, this group of loving kindness, love, compassion practices that, oh, like I am supposed to accept myself with this, kindness and gentleness and then be in relationship with this this whole this void and this void it was just this fundamental experience of not feeling good enough you know of not of not um you know of all the the ways in which we struggle to feel well and to feel like we deserve to feel well and deserve to to have the things that we need you know that was all the void you know, it was a lack of self appreciation, a lack of, um, um, you know, just a, a lack of considering myself to be valuable and beautiful and lovely, you know. Um, it was all of that. And the practice was to love even that, you know, to love even the trauma. Right, to love even the things that at that point I was so ashamed to even articulate about myself. And you know, that loving is, it's for me, the root of that loving is, is accepting. I accept this. I allow this to be here. It doesn't mean that I'm celebrating it, it doesn't mean that I'm condoning it. It just means that I see it and I allow it, right? The basic practice that we've been doing, the base, basic practice that's being communicated by our teachers here, and the basic practice, I think, that is communicated across traditions of Buddha Dharma is to see and to allow, to notice. You know? And when we notice that, we enter into this profound space of experiencing you know and for the first time when I realized that I began to experience instead of thinking about it instead of intellectualizing about it instead of reacting to it I began to experience it and my experience was the experience really of brokenheartedness you know this deep sense of of Disappointment, you know, that the basic energy was this deep fundamental disappointment. And I knew that I had to show up and love even that disappointment, to accept it, to take care of it, you know, and to tend to it and myself with this kind of gentleness where I was basically saying, you know what, it's okay. It's okay. Sometimes we miss that that piece, you know, of just saying whatever arises, it's okay. You no, know? it's okay that I'm not. I, I think that I'm not good enough. It's okay that like I believe I'm not pretty enough. It's okay that I think I'm too fat. It's okay, you know, that you know I can't practice. And look like other people around me in their practice. It's okay. You know, it's okay that I experience fear and despair, you know, and impatience. It's okay. You know, it's okay that like <laughs> I'm like not the best Buddhist that I can be right now. It's okay. You know. Like, it doesn't matter if I cuss a lot. It's okay it's okay and as we that becomes a mantra it's okay over and over again it's okay and then this mantra helps me to ease deeper into this into this experience of brokenheartedness but i'm not being swallowed by the brokenheartedness i'm easing into the spaciousness in and around the brokenheartedness Because the brokenheartedness and and this this void, this hole from which the brokenheartedness arises, it hasn't gone anywhere. You know, it's still there, but what my experience of all this now is that there's an incredible amount of space you know, that allows me to, yes, notice that material, but also to notice the joy the happiness, the gratitude, the compassion. It helps me to understand that I am not the only one. I am not the only one who's brokenhearted. I am not the only one who's struggling to be in relationship with this void inside of my experience. I am like countless beings right now. I am trying to experience happiness and avoid suffering. And there's, again, this level of appreciation that arises because because of the kindness of my lineages and my teachers and the kindness, you know, of um, so many other mentors and elders and guides in my life, I am able, to practice this and to experience this for myself. You know, this this experience, this practice of the space and, you know, it becomes this lifelong companion for me as I move through this life. You know, this companion who is holding my hand, who's reminding me that, yeah, it's, it's okay. You know. And the softness and the tenderness that arises from that, you know, that softness and the tenderness doesn't mean that I become apathetic or I become, you know, meek and mild, like this this, you know, cliche of a of a Buddhist is supposed to be, or we think a, a Buddhist is supposed to be. I've never been meek and mild. You know, I've been very black and loud. You know, I've I can easily pretend to be meek and mild, you know, until you know I touch into the anger. <laughs> you know? um, no, we become ourselves actually when you do this profound loving and allowing the broken hardness to be there, you slowly emerge as yourself, you know. And I think about tonight as well, the, I think about my ancestors as well. As I think about this practice. I think about all of my ancestry, my indigenous ancestry, my um, Black African ancestry. Um, I think about my queer ancestry in particular. Yeah. Um, I think about all the queer folks in history who never had a chance to experience happiness for themselves, who never had a chance to to be out and proud in the ways that we have a chance to, though it's still hard, you know? But we, live these lives that embody a level of freedom and liberation that maybe many of our queer ancestors could never have dreamed of. You know, we have this phrase in, in, you know, in kind of black radical communities where, you know, we say that we are our ancestors' wildest dreams. You know, and I think that's the same for our queer ancestry as well. We are embodying some of their wildest dreams right now. Uh, and we have to take that seriously, you know. So when I think about brokenheartedness, when I think about the void, one of the things I realized and I practiced that this void, this, this brokenheartedness wasn't just my. It was the brokenheartedness of all of my ancestors who didn't have the space to be well. And of course, when I realized that my practice also went through another evolution where I said, oh my God, I am practicing on behalf of all of my ancestors. And that there has been this transhistorical transmission of brokenheartedness that my ancestors have asked me to hold for them, to bear witness to, really, to notice. And so when I hold the brokenheartedness and spaciousness, I am holding my ancestors. And that's another reason why I feel such immense gratitude right now, because I can do this work for my ancestors. And that this holding connects me deeper to all those who have come before me who in many cases offered their lives so I could show up in this life to choose a path of liberation that was appropriate and conducive to my circumstances. That I didn't have to choose something or was not forced to choose anything, right? I chose this path of freedom and the day worked hard for me to have a choice. You know, so I, I remember the ancestors tonight. You know, I remember your ancestors and our ancestors together as we sit in this space, as we sit in this time. You know, right. And I think about how my ancestors survived so much more than what I'm trying to survive in the second all the genocide all the violence all the enslavement all the violence you know and the message that I get from my ancestors is that we didn't go through this for you to forget that you come from a lineage of struggle you know but you also come from a lineage of thriving you come from a lineage of joy because we have given rise to this radical revolutionary joy even within the face of deep oppression so i remember that tonight you know and i remember that that this is also my dharma. To even embody the joy as I'm holding space for the brokenheartedness. Know that it is both. I am experiencing brokenheartedness and I am also experiencing joy. And that my joy actually becomes something that helps to hold the brokenheartedness. My brokenheartedness doesn't hold me. The despair doesn't hold me. The sorrow doesn't hold me. You know. I, with the support of joy, gratitude, kindness, compassion, love, I hold the brokenheartedness. You know, in my practice, I'll call that consuming the brokenheartedness, not the brokenheartedness consuming me. Right? And 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 to consume, we have to show up, right? We have to show up with an openness. We have to show up being deeply rooted in, in refuge and practice. You know, we have to be deeply rooted in a in a conviction that I can experience liberation in this moment, in this time, in this body. Yeah. And that maybe I don't get to do everything that I want to do in this culture, in this society, but I can still free my mind. You know? And as my ancestors have you know, always taught me, including my elders growing up, and how the elders become really the, the, um, the, the expressions of the ancestors, you know, as our elders are one step Away from entering into the realm of the ancestors. You know, but as my elders always said, you know what, this world is not our home. You know, and when I came into Dharma, I really began to to understand that that, like, oh, this is this is just an experience I'm passing through. This isn't where I am supposed to be forever that this is an experience and that I have to train my mind, train my awareness and dig deep into expressing compassion and wisdom for me to enter into my true home. But I do this work also, not, not just for the ancestors, but I do this work also for my descendants that I'm in this life for the descendants, for those who are coming after me or who are coming now or who are already here, for the younger generation, for, as I say, the babies. That my work is to disrupt as much violence from transmitting into their lives and their experiences as possible. You know? that I've been given this energy, right? I've been given these experiences and I've been born into these experiences, but my work is also not to transfer this even, to transfer this further into those coming up after me. In the same way, my ancestors struggled not to transfer, not to pass on as, you know, as all of the, the sadness the despair, you know, the work that they did to to hold as much as they could you know and i continue that work by not just holding it but disrupting it you know i think that's an ethical responsibility that i have as someone who is working to become an elder who knows that they will pass back into the realm of the ancestors you know, that I fulfill the sacred duty, the sacred obligation to disrupt the transference of violence in the world and to create the space so that my descendants can come into a world that's maybe, hopefully, a little better than the world that I came in. But that takes work. You know, It takes the work, and I have, again dharma has (laughs) um i want to say invited me to do work but it is really not not, i have not felt it as an invitation I, i have felt it as a mandate as a demand like you must do this you know you must do this because if you give a shit about people and their happiness then you must disrupt the violence in your experience and how that violence is transferred in your relationships and your and your in, in, in the form of thoughts and words and actions you know and we find ourselves in this time right now where I feel very strongly that, The unseen world, the ancestors, the Buddhas, the Bodhisattvas, you know, all the deities are touching heavily into this world because they love us. You know, they want us to be free from suffering. And so they are showing up in ways that are so incredibly powerful. I've been having this conversation with a lot of black practitioners, you know. And for many of us, Harriet Tubman is so strong in our practice right now. Um, Our friend Spring Washam, you know, Dharma teacher Spring Warshan, she's actually writing a book about Dharma and Harriet Tubman, um, which I think she's finished now. Um, But for me, Harriet Tubman is a bodhisattva who's returning back as a conductor to really guide us. Into a more liberated future, and that you know, and that helps me to feel less alone. It helps me to feel like, oh, it's only us, right? It's only us on this planet, human beings, and you know, they're only doing this work of of liberating the society, the collective. But no, it's not just us; it is all. These beings who are touching into this world, they're touching into the world through our practice, through our love, through our compassion. You know? So sometimes it's—you know when I'm trying to, to be really clear and loving and compassionate in the world, sometimes I have a strong sense that it's not just me doing this, but it's, it's, it's these beings touching through me, through my practice offering me the support in order to be as open-hearted and tender and compassionate as possible. I feel them holding me, urging me to open, not to shut down, not to return the hate that is so often given to me. I think that many of us are being called back into practices that are very ancestral and indigenous. You know, that uh, in my language, I say the old ways are reemerging. You know, the old songs, the old rituals, the old practices, the, these old yearnings just to be close to the land to the earth, to be sitting and listening to the wind, you know, and to, to be sitting by the water and to be allowing ourselves to be healed by the water, you know, and all the elements, you know, the, the old ways are calling us back into a more simple, direct way of being that we've gotten so lost from. you yeah. know. I really encourage you to to listen. You know, to listen. You know, what are you being guided to do? what What rituals are you being guided to to start doing? You know, what are you being asked to start believing in again? Now, what are the voices that are just softly, tenderly whispering to you to, to remember who you are? That you're not what these systems of oppression and violence reflect back to us. We're, we're more than that. You know? We're more than the trauma and the sorrow and the sadness and the fatigue and the burnouts. You know, that we are... Expressions of joy and compassion and love. Can you hear that sometimes? Can you hear, can you hear this gentle reminding of, you know what? Like this, you're not the hate, you're, you're, something much more expansive and open and tender and more gentle. You know, even as we face this new world that's emerging, I do believe there is a new world emerging in this moment. Right? There's a new world. And even in this time, you know, I... I, I hear the teachings of, okay, let go of the person you used to be. You know, you have to let go of the person you used to be and start being the person that you are. Your most authentic, loving, compassionate, open self. This is what we're being called to do in our practice right now. You know, and that we have to be I would say we have to be to use a you know a, a modern term. We have to be the influencers in this new age. Right? It is our tenderness, our authenticity, our connection to the ancestors that be, is beginning to light the path into this new world. You know? A new way of being for us, that holds the space for the delusion, you know, for the ignorance, for the hate. For the healing, as Nolawe, you know, talked about, you know, the healing. You know. And we have to listen to our elders. You know, this is a time where Our elders are speaking, they've always spoke. But this is the time we listen to our elders because our elders have done, many of our elders have done the work, you know, and that the work of the elder is to communicate the path to those coming behind them, to embody the path. And if we lose connection to the elder, we will be lost. So I honor and think about Noli Way as uh, my elder. And just for documentation, she's also in the acknowledgments and love and rage as well. So just in case, I didn't just sit here and think about that. <laughs> you know, and I think about our elders, I think about Arena too, you know, our elder here you know, in this tradition, in this path, who created the conditions for us to be here, you know, who's been fighting for more years than I've been alive, actually. (laughs) You know, on this path of liberation as an activist and now as, as an elder, as a mother, you know, on this path. I don't want us to... I hate it when when people pass and we begin to realize who they were. You know, know, that old saying that like, we have to give our flowers, you know, we have to give flowers while people are alive instead of waiting for their funerals. You know, know, give our flowers now to our elders. And I think that's something that's missing in our community. And it's talked particularly about the, the queer, trans, LGBTQIA plus community, like we we need to return back to our elders. And I know as a queer man, many of my elders passed in the AIDS epidemic. I know that. You know, and I sit and I honor and I think of them every day. And even now. Knowing that there's a gap that I'm having to bridge as I move deeper into my 40s where many of us in our 40s were saying, oh, we're the elders now. And how did that happen? And I honor and appreciate all the elders in our community right now. You know, and I, you know, I, I'm not going to give a specific age. <laughs> who, who an elder, I have no idea, you know. Um, but if you have something to teach, and something to offer back to us, I consider you an elder. And if you take responsibility for us, that's an elder. So I just want to take the next just two minutes of our time together and just to to enter into just a little bit of sitting and practice. You know, just letting, you know, our bodies just rest on our seats. Letting our hearts settle. I invite you just to reflect in this just two minutes. Just reflect on what you're grateful for and who you're grateful for. And let this deepening energy of gratitude take care of you and hold you, even holding the brokenheartedness. So we're going to just slowly transition out of the practice and, of course, move um, into our small groups. I'm going to thank you for your practice today. Um, and I just encourage you to stay wrapped in this gratitude and to stay close to your brokenheartedness, but to rely on the energy of the Buddhas and the Bodhisattvas and the ancestors to do that holding. So thank you so much for your practice and we'll see you soon.